Hello and welcome to In Good Company, a podcast presented by me, Carrie Grant, tackling the issue of loneliness in older people. It's commissioned by Fittleworth, one of the largest home delivery services of medical devices like stoma pouches and catheters, and in association with the older people's charity, Independent Age. This podcast series is all about reconnecting people. We want to ensure that no matter where you are in the country, if you're feeling lonely or isolated, you have the tools and support to take the first step to reconnecting with others. With everything that's been happening in the world since we recorded our last podcast, almost everyone has now been affected by some form of loneliness. New research from the Office of National Statistics released for Loneliness Awareness Week suggests that 7.4 million people have suffered from lockdown loneliness. The survey of 5,260 people, which was conducted between April the 3rd and May 2020, found that those who were young, single, living alone or divorced were most likely to be affected. Chronic loneliness was also measured, with 5% of people saying they often or always feel lonely. Lonely people were more likely to have noticed a dip in their mental and physical well-being, whilst also reporting greater levels of boredom, stress and anxiety. Loneliness can increase your risk of dying prematurely by 30%, making it as lethal as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, and more dangerous than obesity, according to research published by US psychology professor Julianne Holt-Lundstad of Brigham University. Social isolation has also been linked with inflammation, heart disease and dementia. Fortunately, as lockdown eases, most people are gradually socialising more, though still outside and at a distance. But what of those who were experiencing loneliness even before this pandemic took hold? Those who are vulnerable and continuing to self-isolate? In this episode of In Good Company, I'll be speaking with Sophie Mills, a yoga teacher who has been holding free virtual Zoom classes on mindfulness and meditation for Colostomy UK to help people look after their mental health and well-being during this time of national crisis. I'm also joined by Bobby Minshall, who'll tell us about her own experience of loneliness and how initiatives like this have helped to break through barriers on her journey to reconnecting with others. Julie Bennett, Senior National Wellbeing Manager at Independent Age, and Colostomy UK's Giovanni Sink will also join the conversation to provide expert guidance on tackling loneliness, reconnecting with people, and re-establishing life after diagnosis. So, sit back and relax. You're in good company. Throughout lockdown, Colostomy UK has been holding free virtual classes covering a whole range of activities via Zoom to help people stay active and connected. We'll hear more about these from Giovanni at the charity later, but the mindfulness and meditation classes are led by yoga teacher Sophie Mills, and they've been really popular. She joins us today. Sophie, thank you for joining us today. How important has mindfulness and meditation become for people's well-being? Well, I think it's a very personal thing, of course, but um, certainly for myself, uh, 
if you practice something like that regularly, then it just becomes a anchor in your life. And then when something that's maybe slightly different or possibly very difficult, like lockdown happens, um, you've got something very stable that you can always drop into uh, when, you, when you need to. So if we assume that people like myself don't really know too much about it, what are the main benefits? I think that it's extremely beneficial to uh, be able to have a practice, particularly when maybe you're facing difficulty or when your thoughts become a little bit, um, let's say, repetitive or you're perhaps a little bit anxious or, or dealing with things that uh, are problematic. It's extremely beneficial as a, to have a practice that gives you a little pause, if you like. It gives you a little bit of a space where you can take one step back um, you know, from the mind and all its, uh, all its busyness. And in that space, different ideas or, um, or just a little bit of relaxation can, uh, can then come. Some people might think that singing does that for me or going on a walk, but mindfulness and meditation have a kind of spiritual aspect to them, do they not? Um, I think that everybody's different. And I think that if that going for a walk, that being with nature is, um, of course, just as useful and, ben and wonderful and beneficial. And um, singing is also wonderful. <clears throat> and it's just another tool, isn't it? And if you, for example, are, are locked in your house, which has been some people's experience recently, um, you're very lucky if you've got more than one tool that you can go to. So I think that they're all equally beneficial, uh, those things you've mentioned as well. Being able to drop into yourself is always available. Something as uh, simple as being able to drop into being aware of the ground or to be aware of your own body or to be aware of your own breath um, is always going to be available for you. And in that way, I think it's... Uh, uh, a very lucky thing if you've if you've got a practice that's that's available no matter what. <laughs> you just mentioned they're dropping into yourself. What does that mean? To make it extremely simple, what I mean is to be able to be aware of the body you're in. So, for example, we might be walking around. Uh, you know, feeling a little bit stressed or uh, busy or anxious and holding our shoulders up around our ears without noticing that that's what we're doing. And somebody else might say to you, oh, you know, are you okay? Because your body's showing a sign, you know, your shoulders are holding up by your ears they, and they might mention it. And when they mention it, maybe you, you automatically then something changes, your shoulders relax and you feel a little bit different. And to be able to notice those things for yourself, although it sounds very simple, can, uh, for me, be extremely beneficial. As soon as you notice something, then it has the opportunity to change. You know, we maybe get a bit uh, anxious in our thoughts and our breath speeds up. And as soon as you notice, then perhaps things can change a little bit and the breath slows down and then the mind can slow down as well. Do you think that for some of us, particularly if we suffer with a lot of pain, we've learned how to kind of 
almost disassociate from that pain in order to cope with physical pain. And it also could be emotional pain, of course. So can mindfulness help that? I think it can be incredibly useful because um, it gives you a little bit of space where you can perhaps allow yourself to be as you are. And often, as soon as you can be with something, not trying to fight it or change it or ignore it or block it out, but actually be with it, um, in my experience, then it does have an opportunity to, um, to change and perhaps be even a little bit different or easier in your life. Now, you've been partnering with Colostomy UK on this and been doing these very successful Zoom sessions. Uh, what made you partner with that particular charity? Um, well, I don't see why anybody wouldn't want to. I mean, what a wonderful charity and what, an inc what incredible work to be doing. Um, I think the, the Zoom part of things, which for me has only come with, with the lockdown, uh, before that I only taught people in person, and for me to see the absolute joy uh, of working with, or the benefit of being able to work with people who you couldn't normally reach or see, um, means that, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful tool. And um, sometimes, perhaps, if people are uh, locked in, um, it's easy to say to them, well, you should phone somebody and have a, have a, have a talk about things if, you know, that can really help to talk about things, of course. But sometimes, you know, talking isn't always easy. And so maybe joining a group where talking is not the, um, is not what you do. It's a group where you don't have to say anything or talk about how you're feeling. Um, it's, a, it's a different kind of thing to do, but it is another way you can connect with people and learn some very simple practices that may be uh, beneficial. Now, you've mentioned simple practices there, Sophie. So I was just wondering if you could take us through a simple exercise that you would do. Mm, yeah, of course. So if you're um, sitting on a chair at the moment, you just make sure you're extremely comfortable, of course. And then just begin to allow the body to relax. So you could just start by allowing the legs to feel heavy for a bit really settle the hips so the hips can be heavy as well as you relax the base of the body just walking up your back finding a little bit more length through the spine perhaps letting the shoulders drop and soften down soften through your arms feel your hands and relax the fingers be aware of the tips of your fingers as well. And then feel your neck. Notice your throat. Check in that the sides of the throat are soft. Feel the back of the throat. Notice a little higher inside your mouth. Just release the back of the teeth, soften the jaw. And as you release inside your mouth, check there's no gripping at all. Relax the temples as well. And soften the skin across your forehead so it widens out. 
Let your eyes rest deep into the eye sockets. And then just leave the body to softly sit and draw your attention inside for a bit, inside the body. Just noticing now as you draw your attention inside your body, whether you can relax the muscles of the belly, let them flop forward a bit. As you soften and relax inside, feel your own gentle breath moving in and out. As you feel the breath now, maybe slow down a bit, give yourself some time to breathe in and fill the lungs completely. Follow right to the very end of the inhale. And take a long, slow, relaxing exhale. Softening the mouth, shoulders, arms as you go. Belly soft as well. Breathe in very slow. Fill the lungs completely. Notice the moment at the end of the inhale where the breath turns to the exhale. Just in that moment of turning, try to really slow down. So you take your time as you exhale, sort of scanning through the face, body, letting tiny muscles go. As you breathe in each time, instead of taking a sudden breath in, almost step back and just watch as the inhale fills all the space you have. Slow down again as the inhale turns to the exhale. Just slow down. Give yourself all the time in the world to breathe out gently, whole body softening now. Taking one more breath in your own time. And then right at the end of an exhale, let go of these deeper, slower breaths now. So the breath softens back to your own gentle rhythm. Belly soft, teeth, mouth soft, shoulders relaxed. You drop your attention back inside the body. So you're simply aware of the space inside your body. And you rest there. When you feel, you could just open your eyes back up. Sophie, that was wonderful. I feel like I need to go and lay down now in a dark room. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And I can now see, yeah, I can now see why so many people are benefiting from this. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, pleasure. 
I'm now joined by Bobby Minshall, who's one of the many people who has tried out these classes. Bobby, it's lovely to have you uh, on the podcast and lovely. Thank you for agreeing to come on and chat about your life journey. So, Bobby, where did your health start going wrong? Because obviously it's I've read a little bit about your background. It's been quite a journey for you, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Uh, Mine started in 1985. Well, the end of 84, really, but count it as 85 when I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. I was living in Germany at the time because my husband was in the RAF and I was sent back to England for treatment. Uh, I had a radical hysterectomy and when they did the histology, when they checked out what they had taken, the cancer was on the edge of what they'd taken so they had to do six weeks of radiotherapy. And back then that probably would have been quite brutal. Yeah, it was. It basically fried my abdomen and my bladder. (laughs) So that then led you to secondary problems? It did. I started suffering with um, urinary incontinence, uh, which got worse and worse. And um, a surgeon, when we were in Scotland, attempted to do a bladder lift, but uh, he had to stop. He said he put his thumb through it. It was paper thin and he just couldn't do anything. So I had to eventually end up with a urostomy, which is a urinary diversion using um, a piece of the small bowel, the small intestine, which is attached to the kidneys and the urethra. And um, the urethras come from the kidneys um, and it's attached to the urethras and then brought out through the abdomen and loop back on itself, stitch to it, and then you wear a bag over the top to collect the urine. And it dribbles 24-7. So that must have felt like your entire body had been taken over. Oh, yes. I mean, it, it's funny, I didn't mind that so much. You, you got used to it. Um, for me, I hated far more the fact that I developed lymphedema in my leg, which meant it's very heavy and the fluid goes down the leg, but it doesn't come back up um, because the body's full of little pumping stations, whereas the heart got does all the blood. The lymph is pumped by lots of little ones, lymph nodes, and mine were damaged by the radiotherapy again. <laughs> now with this, obviously, when we're looking at medical situations, the most important thing, first of all, is to keep you alive. And beyond keeping you alive, it's to make your body work. But often what we don't talk about is the psychological impact of all of these things that have happened to you. Did this affect your social life and your life generally? Oh, yeah. Um, It certainly um, started to... Eurostomy wasn't so bad, um, funny enough. But I started to develop faecal incontinence as well. And that really affected my life. Um, because being in the Air Force, it's very much um, an eating and drinking culture and um, a socialising culture. And um, I found I couldn't socialise very much because everything I ate used to come straight through me, but I couldn't stop it. So that was isolating. Oh, very, very isolating. And also people didn't understand 
you know, they couldn't understand that I couldn't stop this diarrhea from coming out because my anus had been destroyed by radiation. So I couldn't control it. And it's very upsetting. Yeah, and of course, people don't want to talk about, I know that from having Crohn's disease and having sim some similarities with what you're saying, people don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed or, you know, even if you're comfortable talking about it, other people don't want to hear about it, which then further isolates you. Yes, it does. Uh... And then you developed something last November, didn't you? So then you had a whole other yeah. situation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I've got two bags now anyway, um, but... Um, I developed oral lichen planus where my mouth just erupted into the most awful pain. I was full of cold sores and ulcers and all the skin came off my tongue. Uh, and it was unbelievably painful and I couldn't eat or drink anything hot. It was horrible. Absolutely awful. Bobby, how did you get through that time? Because this is obviously recent, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it was very difficult. I, I really did get extremely depressed because I felt it was just unfair, that on top of everything else, when you can't eat and drink. Um, even chocolate hurt my tongue. You know, shards of twirl felt like that I was being stabbed. And, and I did become very depressed uh, to be honest, I, I did at one point seriously consider, should I still be here? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. What was the turning point for you? It was my nine-year-old granddaughter, who is not demonstrative, coming up to me, giving me a cuddle and saying, I love you so much, Grandma. So um, I decided to pull myself together and uh, not be so silly that there were people far worse off than me and uh, try and get on with it. That's very, very brave, Bobby. What you're saying there is incredibly brave when you consider all the things that you've faced and still continue to face. What would you say has made a difference to you? Obviously, that was a real breakthrough moment. But these days, even during lockdown, you seem to be quite active uh, could you tell us all some of the things that you're up to? <laughs> well, I'm a volunteer for Colostomy UK and I run a support group as well in my local town that I started when we moved here because there was nothing in 80 miles either direction for people with stomas. I help on the Colostomy UK telephone line and um, I, I, once they opened the golf courses, I went out and played golf. And with my doctor's permission, even though I'm one of these people that are still on lockdown. Um, um, but it, it's, it's, I like the feeling I get from helping other people. And if I can help them miss some of the steps I took. So helping others, is that's so weird because for many people, they would look at what you're facing and think that's the last thing we would imagine that you would be able to do. But obviously for you, clearly for you, this is something that has really helped you, your own mental health is to help others. It is, yes. I mean, it, when I had my urostomy first in 1991, there wasn't any help around. There was no internet to find out stuff. And I do feel better from helping other people. 
and having them say, oh, thank you, you solved a problem for me or you made me feel yeah. better. Yeah, absolutely. So you're playing golf, but you've also got involved in some of the online classes, haven't you? Yes, I Tell have, us yes. about that. Well, the Colostomy UK have very kindly put on some online classes. They've done um, some mindfulness, which I did find very helpful. And also some art classes, which my husband's really enjoying and I'm rubbish at. Um, but, <laughs> you and but me we're both. both doing it. We're both doing it, but he's much better at it than I am. But it's the chance to try something new and new has got to be good. I love that attitude. Could you just talk me through what mindfulness uh, has been like for you? Because some people will be listening to this thinking, so what do you actually do with mindfulness? It's well, the way I got from it was just to try and just relax the whole body to try and shut out the rest of the world and just think about your body and think about relaxing it down. Which actually, when you think about what your body is going through and has gone through, reconnecting with our physical body is something that I know for those of us that have had chronic or critical kinds of conditions is really difficult because so much of your dealing with pain is about shutting your body away from the rest of your thinking. So reconnecting your body, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it is very good. It, it is good in that way. I mean, apart from when you suddenly get the aches and pains and you think, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it is, it is good. It's good to try and relax. And I think in the, the way the world is at the moment, we all need to chill and to relax a bit. Now, there are other people that are in the situation that you find yourself in shielding or in quarantine or just shut, still in lockdown, and they stand to be in lockdown for quite some time. What advice would you give to those people that may be struggling right now? Be open to trying new things. Find a new way around doing things. I love that. That's really good. And have you got aims and ambitions to do even I mean you seem to I've seen the big list of things that you're up to because you even you do babysitting once a week you've got walking golf lace making cross stitch volunteering <laughs> the list goes on oh it does it does but I, I'm not one of those who can I suppose I have a lot of nervous energy I can't just sit there and watch the television I've got to do something while I'm doing it so I will be sitting there with cross stitch or lace making <laughs> at the same time what do you think is the biggest challenge for people as they come out of lockdown, perhaps? Because many of us have felt quite safe in lockdown in, in, in some ways, has felt like the world is smaller and more manageable. Um, how do you feel about coming out of lockdown? Absolutely petrified of other people, um, of what, how they behave. I know that I will behave sensibly. I'm being extremely careful. Nobody's been in my house Um or oh, the shopping that comes in gets wiped down with bleach, blah, all the other things that we're told to do. Um, but I am afraid of what other people are doing or not doing. And that makes it difficult, seeing as we're talking today about reconnecting. Do you feel like you've connected quite well because of having this online opportunity? But does it really go very deep, I guess, is the, the question. I, I, th I think uh, I think we've all gained a lot from it. I mean, I'd never heard of Zoom and things like that before. And yet there we are, we're having Zoom painting lessons. Yeah. 
wow. <laughs> it is quite amazing, isn't it? And do you think it will be good for those things to continue once lockdown has finished? I think it would be nice because I think it would actually connect people more in a way. Even though you are separate, it connects the whole country in a way that you wouldn't normally, you'd normally just be in your local area. But you're actually talking with, you know, you're doing the same thing with somebody else that could be in Inverness or Brighton. Yeah, hundreds of miles away, yeah. Bobby, thank you so much for talking to us today and thank you for sharing your story. Now, if you've been affected by any of the issues discussed so far during this podcast, you can contact the Samaritans for free on 116 one, two, three. Giovanni Sink from Colostomy UK and Julie Bennett, Senior National Wellbeing Manager at Independent Age, are now with me to talk about some of the themes we've touched on with Bobby and offer advice where people can look to for help and support. So Giovanni, Colostomy UK are running free online classes, as we've heard. How does that platform work? Does it help people, do you think, in terms of establishing relationships? I think it does. I mean, I think as we just heard from Bobby, I think it has a real positive impact, most importantly on people's well-being. Um, actually, I just got an email about this yesterday from someone who's taking part in the mindfulness sessions, and, and I thought it was really relevant today. So if it's all right, I'll actually read a bit of it out. Um, it basically says, I'm delighted that you're running another mindfulness meditation course, and I've signed up for it. I was so excited when the first course was announced. I practiced yoga for a long time, including a month's retreat in India. I've long wanted to take a mindfulness course, and there was one running at my local centre while I was receiving treatment. But I live very rurally with no public transport and have other, having other health issues, including brain hemorrhage. A few years ago, a 60-mile round trip was not feasible. Sophie's a lovely teacher, and the classes are so gently restorative and relaxing and also a great way of connecting during these difficult times. So I think that's a great example of how they... They really do encourage positive contacts with the outside world, and it's really important at the moment. I think living with a stone is quite isolating for a lot of people anyway, as again Bobby yes. mentioned earlier, from low self-esteem, being embarrassed about having a stoma, worries about access to public toilets as well, all contribute. And obviously lockdowns made this a lot worse. And while restrictions are lifted at the moment slowly, we're still getting loads of feedback for example, around things that public toilets aren't open yet, which means that it's people don't feel comfortable going out yet. Um, also, uh, why these sessions are important is there's a lot of face-to-face -face and peer-to-peer -peer supports disappeared for ostomates at the moment. For example, stoma support groups aren't able to meet anymore. Um, so the art classes that we're doing, the mindfulness and meditation classes, are playing a real, I think they're a real help to loads of people in engaging with something positive, uplifting, and also building their confidence as well. Do you think that those classes will continue after lockdown? I guess that's the big question that lots of us are asking who have benefited from this type of thing. I think it's definitely something that we'd like to do. I mean, just to give you a bit of background, um, we have a project called Active Ostomates, which has been running for about four or five years now. And what it does is because of some of the challenges around isolation and living with a stoma that we spoke about, we deliver activities through stoma support groups. So um, chair yoga sessions, art sessions, archery, we do swimming, rugby league as well, believe it or not. Um, but obviously there, and the reason we didn't through support groups is because 
you're then delivering a session in venues and with people that they're already comfortable with. So you're removing a lot of those barriers that might exist that I've spoken about. But the beauty of doing them online is, as Bobby again mentioned earlier, that you could be doing a class with someone who's in Brighton or Glasgow or Edinburgh, and they give us a lot wider reach than just through sort of like doing them through Stoma support groups. So I think what we'll probably do, as long as the, you know, the demand and the interest is there, I, I think when we start edging towards normality and we go back to doing our community sessions, I'd definitely like to think, yes, that we'll, we'll carry on with the mindfulness and the virtual art as well. And of course, obviously, we're always looking for, for new ideas for different activities that we might be able to introduce as well. Yeah. And Julie, uh, for the people that you're working with, the, the older people are now not only facing their own obstacles in terms of health and confidence for trying to get back out there when perhaps they've you know, gone through uh, illness. But now there's this extra layer of having to comply with government advice and people are shielding. Is that does that make it more difficult to, to create new bonds and find support? Where, where do these people turn to? Well, it, it definitely does that, Carrie. I mean, Bobby, bless her, she was an absolute um, inspiration. And just some of the things that she's actually done that is kind of the things that we would be advocating is things like finding out new things to do, looking at your local community. If, if social media, often the, the different groups and things that come up with these um, new initiatives, um, you know, all these different things are going on. Lots of local government initiatives that are going on at the moment, lots of local charities. So we would ask people, you know, to really understand that the shielding's there for a reason and then it's really important that this happens yeah. but but also just to be um connected with the world so you know give that phone call to your friends or your family put up photographs around the home do things that will um inspire you to to carry on a little bit like bobby said about a granddaughter it was that that reason to feel um important you know feel pre um feel life yeah. is so precious so yeah really important but yeah local yeah. community is, is the way forward now I know there may be some people listening I mean obviously they've managed to get onto a podcast so that's really good but they might be thinking technically how do I do all of these classes and, and get involved are you finding that that's a challenge for some people yeah, so what we're actually doing is we're actually um, teaming up with different organisations like banks and actually setting up um, opportunities where people can actually learn um, the technical things that, you know, a lot of people don't really have engaged in in the past. And, and as Bobby said, things like Zoom, you know, who would have imagined that this would have been the way forward, you know, four months ago. So there's been yeah. lots of um, initiatives that have gone and actually getting people to learn new um, skills and activities. And, and so that that's the way forward we're looking at is just making sure that people have the opportunities to to engage and, and just feel less isolated with themselves and and also what we're trying to do is obviously just reach those people that are the most um, isolated and lonely through community groups through charities through local authorities through um, all kinds of things like social services police fire service if someone identifies someone or um, someone reaches out then we'll obviously aim to get them into the right place uh, and on and into local community yeah. opportunities 
And I suppose there are, there do seem to be so many more opportunities. Even museums are doing their exhibitions online, theatre. There's all sorts of things to watch and participate in. But you do have to be able to get past the technology. So is there help with that at all? As, as I said, there are. There are lots of um, initiatives that are local. Um, so there are some with banks and things like that, as I mentioned. So, um, for example, oh, Barclays are doing things like that. So we have got things where we can signpost people to different initiatives. Um, just a little bit where we can talk people through the basics. One of the things that we've yeah. um, discovered um, is, I don't know if um, people have seen a lot of these um, devices now where you can have in your home where, um, you know, the the different ones where they've got obviously the video calling and stuff like that so we're finding video calling is a really um, positive um, activity that people are going through and obviously we are aware that obviously some people are shielding at the moment so that in itself makes um, isolation you know doubly worrying for them and the anxieties that they feel so we're obviously putting in things like we have um, coffee morning uh, online, similar to um, the things that Giovanni was saying, that we're, we're putting in classes, different things where actually they, there's not a lot of technical stuff going on. It's just a phone call. So we literally pick up the phone and we'll dial people in to the activities as well. So there are lots of different Wonderful. initiatives out there. I'm sure it will. And I, I almost feel like this podcast series it's like it's because we started this before we even knew about coronavirus. I feel like there's we're a little bit ahead of the game. And you guys, of course, are very ahead of the game because you are trying to help people who are struggling with loneliness and isolation in the different work that you both do. So now more people are identifying as feeling lonely who perhaps have never really experienced loneliness before and are often now experience isolation. And that isn't necessarily going to go away when lockdown finishes. You know, once you start feeling those feelings of isolation, it's very hard to combat that and come back from that. So what advice would both of you, let's start with Giovanni and then go to Julie, what advice would you have to anyone out there that might be struggling with loneliness? I just think don't be afraid to reach out, you know, and support is there. Certainly from us, um, we, we've got a, a 24-hour free phone helpline. And it's, you know, obviously for someone with a stoma who's maybe sort of like struggling with loneliness, isolation, um, don't be afraid to give us a call any time, day or night. The person on the other end of the line is a sort of like fully trained volunteer who's living with a stoma as well. So, so they will have been through a lot of the same experiences that the um, the caller will have been through as well. Um, for that people peer-to-peer that support, maybe that peer-to-peer support. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really important. And sometimes I, I know certainly when I started at Colostomy UK, I sort of like maybe underestimated um, the importance of that peer-to-peer support um, term that we used to use on some of our um, sort of like promotional material around the helpline was, you know, talk to someone who's walking in your shoes. And and, and I think yeah. like certainly over the last few years, I've, I've realised, you know, as you talk to more ostomates, as you talk to more of our volunteers as well, you know, that the value of talking to someone who knows what you've been through. But also, as I said, we're talking about loneliness and it's just, you know, the guys on the helpline are there if someone just wants a chat as well. That's really important. It's people don't need to call only, you know, if they've got a problem that is to do with related, directly related to their stoma. If you just want to chat with someone, the helpline's there for that as well. And for those that aren't um, maybe comfortable to talk to someone, we do have an instant messaging system for our website as well. So, you know, people, uh, 
more than welcome just to jump on that and have a chat to us that way. But also, as Julie mentioned earlier, it's like the support that's available in the local community as well. Um, so I know there's a lot of good local council schemes going on. Social prescribing through primary care networks and your GPs is a great way maybe to signpost it to activities in the community, which can help people get out more, help them get more integrated, make friends, etc. as well. So I think, yeah, there's definitely talk to us, but look at what's available in the local community as well. Wonderful. Thanks, Giovanni. And how about for you, Julie? So for us, obviously, working with lots of older people that are lonely and isolated, what we do is we have um, some things that we offer, um, some tools, if you like. Um, we look at things like the routine of the day. We look at, you know, um, people put up photographs of their family and friends. We, we look at the networks of people and, and obviously see if people can reconnect with people. We look at things like faith, um, you know, health and obviously different things around sport and music and you know all the kinds of activities yeah. that we people love and and we we try and um get people to feel that that passion and that engagement again because once you've got that and you're, you're thinking well maybe I'll try that suddenly that opens up doors for you that you never knew you had and so that's the kind of thing that we're yes. looking at and you know we I mean Bobby mentioned about the RAF so lots of military organizations SAFA British Red, uh, British Legion, the British Red Cross, all kinds of different things um, that we would advocate, you know, social interaction, just having a hobby, could be learning the language, you know, all these different things. They just, it's just that first step into then something, that bigger, wider world that brings us back and connected. So um, for us, we look at the individual person, we make sure that that, you know, what then they like is there we'll introduce things like friendship services so Bobby you know she was actually doing volunteering volunteering is an absolute fantastic way of actually meeting people feeling less isolated giving that sense of worth so she's absolutely an advocate for that um and and it brings it brings your mental health better in so there's so many ways of bringing it forward but yeah, I would um, take that forward if that helps. And actually, Julie, that's taken me to my last question, which is how people can become a support network for other people. This is something that Bobby mentioned, that she gets involved with volunteering. So again, let's go to Giovanni first and then to Julie. How can people become supporters of others? I think through us, obviously, um, we've got a wide range of volunteering opportunities that includes um, our helpline that we've already spoken about. We've also got a, a private Facebook group, which has got nearly 9,000 members now, which is great for peer-to-peer -peer support, which needs moderating. Um, some of our volunteers help us run stone support groups in the community as well. So, we're all, And also we're looking for people to help us set up those support groups in new areas where there isn't a presence already. Um, they can uh, work with us to um, engage with ostomates in open days and things like that to tell them about the services that we've got. So that first step would be to have a look on our website at colostomyuk.org and check out the volunteering page. Um, it's all the details of who you can contact and how you can get involved with us. Fantastic. And for you, Julie? So the same really with Giovanni said, we've got um, lots of volunteering opportunities. We have coffee mornings, which we've got about 30 running a week at the moment. And we're always looking for people to facilitate wow. those. So yeah, they're, they're amazing. There's the, the chat that goes on. Some of it um, is absolutely hilarious when we've got that going through. We've got people that 
um, around 2,000 people at the moment across the country go out and visit people. Um, obviously, when lockdown is um, back uh, out and around, but they'll go out and visit people in their homes. But at the moment, what we're doing is offering lots of telephone services. So that means that friendship services, people give people a call and just have a good chat and, you know, discussion about um, life in general. And so there, there's lots of things like that. But also there's, again, I go back to the local community and the, there's volunteer centres. So you can contact your lon- local volunteer centre. Um, and again, you'll find things like the food banks that they're always looking for volunteers. Or if you want to do something where you're staying at home, then um, there are lots of volunteers that you could that actually do things like um, Giovanni said, where it's supporting things like the online um, support and things like that. So, but yeah, there's there's lots of things. And volunteering opens up huge amounts of opportunity and friendship. Just as an example, uh, we, we, we have lots of people that do lots of volunteering. Uh, and I know it was mentioned for the RAF stuff with Bobby um, around the military stuff. And there's lots and lots of things going on in the background for that as well. So just, just lots of things going on in the community. It's wonderful. Such an encouraging episode we've had today. Thank you so much, Giovanni and Julie. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this third episode of In Good Company. On behalf of Fittleworth, I'd like to thank all of our guests who have joined me today to share their inspirational stories and offer their support and advice. If you'd like further information and support with the different ways you can reconnect with people, you can download the accompanying support pack filled with tips and advice at www.fittleworth.com forward slash in good company or contact Independent Ages Helpline on 0800 319 6789 or visit the website at independentage.org. If you have any questions you'd like answers to, please email marketing at fittleworth.com or tweet fittleworth at fittleworthmed. Thanks. Bye.